tax tax which is always exciting. GST reform. That's a great idea. Have a more efficient tax. Hey everyone and welcome. This is Tax Wrap episode 20. We finally wow. made it. I, I'm not quite sure why we make so much of the milestone of episode 20, but it has been 20 weeks, so that, that seems to be um, something worth celebrating. <laughs> um, it's been an interesting week in the Taxpayers Australia office. Uh, Andy and Ange, the tax discussion paper Rethink yeah. came out. So as you can imagine, it's a pretty exciting time. Um, and this is part of a sort of a broader consultation process or a multifaceted, multi-step uh, consultation process. So this Rethink discussion paper will give way to the green paper, which will then give way to the white paper. And uh, I guess what's on the cards is, or what's on the lips of ratepayers and professionals alike is tax reform, and we're getting quite excited about it. Mm. So welcome, guys, first yeah. of all. Thanks, Nathan. Nathan. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Good, good. I mean, we're very excited that this paper's come out. Uh, yeah. it's, it's now a chance for us to have a look and uh, Australian taxpayers in general and have a mature discussion about uh, where tax reform should be going. Yeah. Um, we do note that um, early in March, the Treasurer had released the intergenerational report. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's predicting a, an ageing population yep. and um, obviously we need to find ways to, uh, creative ways to be able to, to fund all those wonderful things so that uh, our standard of living um, uh, is either maintained or actually improves. Mm. And so this sort of forms all part of it in terms of from the, the government's overall perspective. Yeah. Um, the paper is a, the discussion paper is a very, very long paper and it will <laughs> lead to as you mentioned, Nathan, an, an options paper, a green paper yep. towards the end of this year. And then what the government will do is from that green paper, that options paper, it will lead into a white paper and then the government will take the recommendations from that white paper to the next election, which uh, presumably will be in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's... Uh, 200 pages worth of uh, intense tax analysis. Intense is Which is what we love, of course, Nathan. We love this stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess that, that you really don't do things in half measures. You're professionals. Yeah. It's, it's either no paper or 200, 200 pages worth of paper. Yeah, that's it. So, and basically what the paper also does is as in terms of submissions, it's given it's given taxpayers, it's given the community uh, two months to, to go through it and to... Yeah. Answer uh, roughly. There are 66 questions that the government ha- has asked in this discussion paper, right, yeah. uh, ranging from a whole bunch of things. From you know, you're, you're looking at uh, including you know income taxes to FBT to state taxes. So yeah. you name it, it's actually in the paper. So and basically, we have uh, two months to, to go through it and uh, pr- provide some answers or provide some opinion to to the government, some general broad based opinion to the government as yeah. to how the the tax system should look. Very good. Yep. Well, let's talk more specifically now, or in a general way, but also um, breaking things down a little bit more. Yeah. Um, we must start with sort of um, the the corporate sphere and and issues of bracket creep as well. So take us away on that, Andy. Where, where do we start with that? Yeah, that's that really looks at uh, um, sort of the government's income tax take and what the government's saying is for a very long time, even since the 1950s, the the Australian community has relied on income tax. It's its main source of revenue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what the government's uh, stated in the actual uh, rethink uh, discussion paper is that currently uh, corporate tax and uh, personal income tax takes up a fairly large chunk of um, the overall revenue. In this mm-hmm. case, for 2013-14, the government's quoted that amount as being 72%. <laughs> 
it's a big chunk. Yeah, it's it a, a very huge big amount. Chunk. Yeah. yeah. So basically, what the government then goes on to say is that they expect uh, by 2024-25, uh, based on their projections, is that that uh, that tax take will move from 72% as I currently is to around 77%. So there'll be a 5% increase mm. uh, in uh, the tax take. Now, that assumes current uh, current assumptions. So, yeah. and where the government's uh, what the government believes is a uh, is uh, increasing that tax take is through two things. Firstly, if the corporate tax rate maintains the same amount or same level, which is uh, roughly 30%, thirty percent. And also that uh, bracket creep, which is um, bracket creep, will bring a lot of taxpayers up into the next uh, tax bracket yeah. um, by way of wage inflation. So all of a sudden, uh, average income earners will be paying more tax uh, yeah. essentially on their income. And essentially what the government estimates is currently the average uh, wage or average salary is roughly 75000 uh, by 23-24, the government expects that to be 104000 So all of a sudden, you're moving into a high bracket and paying mm. more tax. And so that's yeah. where they uh, expect uh, most of that revenue to be coming from. So there is a question as to whether that balance, you know, that 77% predicted balance down yeah. the track is, is a reasonable balance. And so they will be asking questions as to whether that balance is correct. And yeah. are there any other sources of revenue potentially out there yeah. And so to in that to that extent, yeah. there is always a hint. The underlying tone. <laughs> the underlying tone that uh, GST could be one possible candidate, of course, amongst other yeah. uh, different types of uh, uh, different types of taxes, uh, particularly indirect taxes yeah. out there. So it is it is a question, and it is a question. So there always needs to be a valid discussion as to uh, whether the. GST rate is uh, is uh, is the correct rate. Is it a reasonable rate? And also the broaden whether there is any need to broaden that base. base so yeah. so whether you know uh, whether certain GST free items uh, should be on the table yep. in terms of being subject to GST. So they're questions that uh, a mature tax debate requires. Um, it may be that there'll be no change, but it always needs to be brought up because GST is a very very important uh, aspect of that revenue collection, yeah. and it's been. 15 years since it was introduced and so those questions should be re-asked. Absolutely and I think um, the other thing that was interesting in reading this document was they did talk about the fact that albeit there's been some attention in the news about companies that sort of bypass their tax obligation so to speak but albeit um, we are one of the highest corporate tax rates in the world yes. and I think they were talking about um, anti-competitiveness and yes. attracting more business to Australia and um, promoting the economy in that way as well. So it's really interesting if you look at some of the debates. Um, yeah, you you really got to look at the coin from both sides. That's right, Angela. I mean, it's a very difficult debate as well. You know, you're sort of trying to work out. I mean, there's so many, you know, tax reform. That's the beauty of tax reform is it's got so many moving parts. And, yeah. you know, ultimately, what is the right answer? We're not necessarily sure that the proof is in the eating once, you know, once any sort of reforms are, are taken through. That's the only way that we can see whether you know it's improved, you know, our, our standard of living, for example. That's <laughs> yeah. that's one way of doing it, and ensuring that uh, taxpayers uh, are fairly taxed. I think that's probably one of the key things that they're trying to 
draw from that and and also obviously uh, in terms of efficiency and also simplicity Mm -hmm. yeah let's hope that this reform nathan doesn't end up like the last time they tried to make reform instead of simplifying the income tax act we ended up with a second volume so let's just hope that this time it's done properly we can definitely only (laughs) hope so now if you guys will satisfy my curiosity for a second um in a sort of hypothetical situation um Say that the changes to the GST, they broaden the base of GST yep. to sort of um, account for some of these questions that they were asking in the, in the discussion paper. Um, do you see that working, basically? What do you, what do you see about the, the prospect of, of effectively broadening the GST base as one possible outcome? So say that the tax office did that. Yeah. Um, what would happen from there? Yeah, that's, that's a very tricky question. Mainly, I mean, the biggest culprits in... You know, when the GST was first introduced, one of the areas that they looked at uh, very closely in terms of being GST free was food. They yeah. thought that you know, sort of mums and dads and the the average uh, family uh, shouldn't be levied with GST on food. Yeah. And the, you know, whether GST applies to food is is very very uh, tricky. You know, so, uh, you might have processed foods which are subject to GST, and then you you'll have your loaf of bread which is not subject to GST. Mm-hmm. And there's always a grain that yeah. centre and um, I remember when the GST was first introduced, there was a lot of uh, hoo-ha and a lot of companies were trying to seek some advice as to whether you know, a particular item of food should be subject to GST yeah. and there was a lot of complexity around trying to you know, c- come to that answer and there's still complexity now around that. So yeah. you know, if you were to broaden the base, would food be one thing that you know, um, would be op- open up for debate? Um, the only problem is the average Australian will then have to go in and pay 10% on you know, all the food they buy if they said, well, all food is subject to, to GST. So it ultimately becomes a, yeah, yeah, it ultimately becomes a question of fairness to, yeah. to the community. And, because and obviously registered businesses, it really is a nil effect to them because they mm. pay more GST, they claim more GST. Yeah, I right. mean, yeah. it's, it's neutral almost, um, but it's the individuals, that's as right. you say, the families mm. that will be most hit by that. So with my limited financial acumen, it, it sort of seems to me that if you're paying more tax over here, yep. you may be paying less tax over here. Yeah. So if, if you broaden the GST base to in, include food, food items, so mm. if, they're, if um, suddenly families are paying 10% GST mm. on the loaf of bread, mm. um, the money that the government's making here from that, where they previously did not, mm. means you're seeing relief in other places. Is that correct? That's correct. That's yeah. the idea. That's the idea, <laughs> yeah. So the idea is, I mean, ultimately, as a taxpayer, you might end up paying the same amount of tax overall. overall yeah. You know, so so it could be shifting sands if, if that's one way of, that's of right. looking at it. That's right, yeah. So given that, given that it, it generally has to reach an equilibrium, um, yeah. is it still difficult to make that appeal that, um, taxpayers will swallow because it seems to me like even from a political standpoint if you said okay suddenly um, GST base has been broadened yep. you're going to pay 10% GST on loaf, loaves of bread now Yep. I feel like there would be a lot of backlash which is difficult to sort of say because we're in a hypothetical situation Yeah. but does tax reform I guess my question is why is tax reform so difficult given that it's designed to reach an equil- equilibrium in the end anyway yeah yeah, I, I think ultimately it's it comes back to that question of fairness and simplicity. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's also it's also the groups. Mm. So so you you might find that a particular tax reform suits businesses over individuals or high wealth individuals versus low wealth. It's you're never ever going to make every single group happy mm. because everyone's needs are different. 
That's correct. <laughs> and, and one other thing is that the GST sometimes is taken to be, uh, they sometimes do it as an efficient tax because, you know, you you know, you know collect it by, you know, going, going somewhere and consuming an item or, yep. or buying something. So, so that's one way of uh, looking at it as well. It, it mm. is, a, it is a, some might view it as an efficient tax, but at the same time, others might view it as a regressive tax because, you know, um, those who, uh, for example, families might be hit hardest unless there are uh, some uh, relief there through, for example, tax cuts or something like that, just to just to support give those, just mm. to support that. So mm-hmm. it is a very very difficult question, and so the great thing about that this discussion paper is that those those issues can be brought to the fore, and people can actually have a go yeah. saying, okay, this is what I believe should should happen. So yeah, so that's a great thing. And maybe raise any issues that the government hasn't actually already considered, yeah. which is important too. Absolutely. Yeah. And is there anything else in the tax discussion paper that yeah, piqued your interest? Yeah, um, as per usual, everyone knows I, I love my little employment taxes niche <laughs> there. So I thought I'd just flag there was some interesting. Um, some interesting points on FBT first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So I think we've kind of mentioned this before. We sort of said that, especially in the in light of the changes towards a sort of a more automated tax system and things like that, we did sort of say FBT may need to end up in income tax. And it's interesting because although this paper doesn't say that, it does actually say this tax has become much more complicated than it ever intended to be. Mm-hmm. It's become a real burden to the businesses that administer it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, lack of compliance is mostly due to misunderstanding of how it actually works. So people don't get it. That's they don't get it. Yeah. Um, and uh, then they talk about other than Australia and New Zealand, most countries in the world tax non-cash benefits in the hands of the employees, yeah. not in the hands of the employers like we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, Although they're not saying it, it, it's it's along that thread of, well, it should just form part of the remuneration. It should be taxed in the hands of the employee. So we are sort of looking at that. Well, maybe it should be tied into income tax in some shape, way, or form. Mm. Do you think it should be? Uh, it, it it probably should, but the question is, how is that going to simplify the tax? Because ultimately, you still have to value those benefits. Yeah. So even if they're part of remuneration, mm. we still have to value them and it's going to be quite complicated either way. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, currently at the moment with FBT, we value cars in that particular way using a statutory formula method or an operating cost method. Yeah. And, that, and that won't go away if the individual were to be taxed on that. No, and that's the thing. I mean, you're not going to suddenly include the whole the cost of the whole car or, you know, so they've got to make it fair even if they do roll it into income tax. Um, so... So it probably should, but how are you going to circumvent the valuation problems? I'm not sure. So Would it effectively be the same as if um, a, an employee was buying, say, a computer for work use mm. and they, they finance their own computer so they a computer at work? Yep. Um, if they were to claim that on tax, they'd have to um, depreciate it and work all that out themselves yeah. anyway. Would that effectively work the same way with an FBT? Benefit. I guess. I guess so. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So you'd have to take care of the bookkeeping yourself, yes. basically, yes. and determining the value. The same as if you bought a MacBook, you'd have to determine the value of the, the MacBook that's right. and all the stuff that follows yep. from that. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. And that's why it's simple when you're talking about work-related items like that. But mm-hmm. when you, as Andy said, if you're talking about a car yeah. or entertainment that you've been provided, well, how are you going to how are you going to calculate how much of that needs to be taxed? Yeah, because yeah. it's been thirty years since um, 
we've introduced FPT back in 1986. And, right. you know, at, at that time, you know, Paul Keating, the then treasurer, uh, had, you know, sort of said, look, you know, we, we don't want to... You know, we want to tax you on these uh, these nice long lunches that you had back in yeah, those... Yeah, elaborate back, back, business lunches. Yeah, exactly. Back, back, in, back in the 1980s, you know, yeah, when, when yeah. you know, there Everyone were was having lavish lunches <laughs> in the 1980s. That's right, that's right. So, so times have changed and and it is worth, as the paper suggests, it's worth having a rethink as to whether, you know, how that FBT regime or, or uh, the taxation, you know, the broad effect of taxing non-cash benefits should yeah. uh, happen now in the 21st century. I mean, either way, the outcome of... FBT will be the same. It's mm. all, it's recognizing what the full remuneration of an employee is. Yes, but how we do that is going to be the question. So, I guess I wanted to bring that up as a bit of a watch this space. Mm-hmm. So it may ultimately become the obligation of an employee going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I found really interesting, um, Andy, is uh, the state taxes. Yes, uh, <laughs> I know it's not as key as some of the federal taxes, but it's interesting when you look at it because. Uh, Payroll tax and stamp duties actually consume the most or, or produce the most tax income for the states. Mm. And um, Henry Review sort of touched on this a few years ago, but um, they are talking about one payroll tax seems to be a hindrance to businesses expanding because mm-hmm. obviously the more people you hire, the more you're liable for. Mm-hmm. And the second one was stamp duty and the impact that stamp duty has on your everyday individuals. Yes. Who want to buy a house? Yes, um, and it was incredible. Um, the statistics were about two or three percent increase in a very short time in stamp duty, just on an average or a medium price house in Melbourne, um, and it does add a substantial amount to to a loan or to a, to a borrowing's amount. And they were asking the question of how can we make this more fair? Yes, again, every question in this discussion paper does underlyingly say how do we make this more fair, but. Um, I think they're hinting at perhaps maybe a, a standardised, a reduced and standardised stamp duty amount. Sure. Because uh, for those of you that may not be aware, it is quite different depending on what state or territory you're in. Sure. So I, I found that really interesting as well. So I'm, I'm glad that they're sort of giving consideration to all of the taxes throughout the spectrum as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, one of the things that um, the government's also doing is a federation white paper. That's and, right. <laughs> and one of the things that they did mention was, you know, how we suppose, how, how will the states be be funded, you know? And yeah. um, we talk about GST as well because, you know, the, the states get the, the GST cake. Yep. And so and so there are a lot, a lot of issues there in terms of integrating some of these state-based taxes with the overall federal scheme of things so it is a very very interesting question and you know stamp duty is one amongst many of those sorts of questions so i'm we're we're glad in some ways that some of these issues are addressed because it is i mean tax reform is not only looking at specific taxes but also looking at the overall structural structure in which taxes are levied and and structural reform is is very very important Mm -hmm. yeah yeah cool well, in closing, guys, I'll ask you both. Um, is this rethink discussion paper, should taxpayers be satisfied so far? I, I think taxpayers should be, uh, should be glad that we do have, uh, we're having a mature debate out there about yep. tax reform. Yep. And uh, the way that the questions are worded, there are 66 questions in the actual paper. Some taxpayers will choose questions that they'll like to answer. And it, the questions are very, very broad, and what the government's looking yeah. for in terms of an answer are not actually this is what you should do, but 
you know, what are some of the broad concepts that we need to consider? So yeah. it is an open discussion. Um, and, and it's definitely positive, but there are no promises at this stage. It's mm-hmm. just we, ne- we know we need to consider them, but what, what do the public or associations like us think mm. um, are the key issues for each of those taxes or each of those questions that have been raised? Um, so it is important that people understand this discussion paper hasn't actually put suggestions forward. It hasn't actually made any promises. It's just asking the questions. I mean, ultimately, the proof is actually in the, the, the eating, mm-hmm. um, mainly, mainly because obviously the government will have to draw some recommendations from this and the, the key is actually its actual implementation. So if you have a plan, a tax plan, plan yeah. in place and yeah. you actually implement these things over time, then we can start to see any sort of fruits develop um, one of the things that um, the Henry review uh, had was a lot of recommendations but you know the, the then government at the time only cherry-picked certain items mm. uh, in terms of uh, uh, for for reform so it is worth having a good plan and implementing these things yep. uh, over a period of time yeah cool and I guess to um, anybody out there who's read the document or parts of the document and has seen the questions if you do have an opinion or if you do have um, some points that you'd like to raise, uh, you could always uh, write into taxpayers. Absolutely. And um, that could all be consolidated as part of the process, I'm sure. Yeah, give us a call. Ask for Andy Newen or Nathan Newen. <laughs> <laughs> or alternatively, alternatively, info at taxpayer.com.au. Yeah, yeah, that's a good place. That's the way to go. Fantastic. Well, that's this has been Tax Wrap Episode 20. Uh, tune in for Episode 21 next week, and then we're going to be celebrating getting to 30. <laughs> In the meantime, we do urge you to take a look at the tax discussion paper and really participate uh, in this tax reform, reform because it, it is an exciting thing and it pertains to every taxpayer, regardless yep. of your level of technical knowledge. I think there's something to get from it. I certainly did. Yep. Um, yeah, cool. Thanks for joining See us. See See ya. Bye.